Um, and it's almost the same thing as what's going on in Beijing, you know, pre-COVID was uh, intense air pollution. And areas of the world that have the highest degrees of air pollution have the highest rates of Parkinson's disease. Areas that are getting the most air pollution are having the fastest rising rates. And areas of the world with the lowest rates of air pollution have the lowest rates. And since then, numerous products and byproducts of the Industrial Revolution, including air pollution, pesticides, industrial chemicals, including this chemical called trichloroethylene, uh, and heavy metals have all been linked to Parkinson's disease. So to a large extent, Parkinson's disease is not a con natural consequence of aging. There were old people before. It's a natural consequence of man-made uh, chemicals uh, and activities. To a large extent, our argument in the book is that Parkinson's disease is a man-made disease. And so if you think of the other classic man-made diseases, there are lots of them, car accidents, for example, uh, is lung cancer. So before the advent of cigarettes, lung cancer was considered a once-in-a-lifetime oddity. When someone got lung cancer, all the doctors would gather around to see the case because they thought they'd never see it again. And then we had cigarettes, and we had a rise in the uh, incidence of lung cancer, and then we've thankfully turned the tide and the incidence of lung cancer has decreased 25 years after uh, smoking has subsided. So if you look at the rates of uh, Parkinson's disease and you can tie them to air pollution, you can tie them to the increasing rates of use of synthetic pesticides, and you can tie them to the use of this chemical called trichloroethylene. 8% of people, 8% of people have worked with trichloroethylene and all of us have been exposed to it. It was used in everything to decaffeinate coffee, to, uh, as an anesthetic agent before the FDA banned it for safety reason, used to be found in whiteout, used as a widely degreasing agent. If you worked in mechanical industry, if you worked with solvents, if you worked in the aerospace industry, if you worked in Silicon Valley, uh, you uh, were uh, very likely exposed uh, to this chemical. So we have brought on this disease ourselves and now is the world's fastest growing brain disorder, faster growing than Alzheimer's disease. The number of people with Parkinson's disease has more than doubled over the last 25 years. In the U.S. That's alone, cool. the number of people with Parkinson's disease has increased 35% in the last 10 years. 35% in the last 10 years. Um, and uh, absent change, it'll double again. So probably all of you have, uh, in addition to being affected by Parkinson's disease directly, have friends and family members who are increasingly being diagnosed with it. And they're probably reaching out with you on how to handle the disease. And if we don't change our behavior and our activities, we're gonna fuel the in, a, a further rise in uh, Parkinson's. So in the book, we highlight a pact. So after all the bad news, we highlight what can we do going forward as a pact, P-A-C-T, to one, prevent the disease. And that's to, how can we prevent it by banning certain pesticides like called Paraquat, which are banned by 32 countries, including China, but, are per, but use in the U.S. has doubled in the last 10 years. So 32 countries, including China, ban a pesticide, but U.S. use has doubled in the last 10 years. EPA has refused to ban it, despite 100,000 people like you and probably many of you, I'm sure Steve, signed a position to ban it. We need to ban trichloroethylene. It was developed in the 1920s, 1920s. So think about it. Does anyone fly an airplane from the 1920s? Does anyone drive cars from the 1920s? No, because we have safer alternatives. We have safer alternatives uh, to this chemical and the toxicity of which has been known since 1932. And that's probably before anyone on this uh, 
this uh, group has ever was even born. So we've known about the toxicity of this chemical since 1932, but we still use it. So we can prevent the disease, advocate for additional resources. So at the same time that the number of people with Parkinson's disease has increased by 35% in the last 10 years, NIH funding adjusted for inflation has decreased. I know of no other disease that's had a 35% increase in number of people affected and had funding for the disease decreased adjusted for inflation. Second is we need to care for, or third, we need to care for all people affected. So telemedicine has brought care to many of you. How many people have gotten telemedicine in the last two years? Yeah. And then how many people like thumbs up or thumbs down? Up. Yeah. So uh, I've spent the better part of my life, uh, academic career, professional career, uh, working on telemedicine, been seeing patients since 2007 via telemedicine, just like this. And since 2013, I haven't stepped foot in a clinic, not because I don't like to see patients in person, but I think that patients should see, receive care on their terms. Instead of coming to see me, I should bring care to them. And so we've been doing that uh, since 2013. And now in the midst of a pandemic, we can care for a lot of people. So 40% of Medicare beneficiaries, so I see, I'm guessing a lot of your Medicare beneficiaries, 40% of people with Medicare who have Parkinson's disease are not seen by a neurologist of any kind, any kind, within four years of diagnosis. And those that don't are more likely to fall and fracture their hip, more likely to be placed in a skilled nursing facility, and more likely to die. So 40% of Americans with universal health insurance don't see neurologists, and that's because of distance and disability, and I think telemedicine can address it. And then four, we need to develop new therapies because we've had no therapeutic breakthroughs this century. No major therapeutic breakthroughs. My guess is all of you are taking medicines or classes of medicines that were developed last century. The fact that the most effective treatment for Parkinson's disease is levodopa and it's over 50 years old is one tells you how grave a breakthrough that was 50 years ago, but tells you about the lack of progress we've made since then. So clearly the status quo is not working. If number of people with the disease has doubled in the last 25 years, if 40% of Americans where we spend more on healthcare than any other country don't receive appropriate care, and we have no major therapeutic breakthroughs this century, the status quo is not working. So if we continue to keep doing the same thing, we're gonna get the same results. That's what Einstein called was the definition of insan insanity was to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. We must change So that's what we put forth in the pack. We highlight that we've done this before. We did in the 1950s with polio. We had a march of dimes in which people like you literally mailed in millions of dimes into the White House, raised millions of dollars, enabled Jonas Salk to develop a vaccine for polio. And now we don't even, there are no polio specialists because there's no polio. In the 1980s, a new virus, unknown at the time, was causing this uniformly and rapidly fatal condition in 1981. It later was known to be called AIDS, later found to be due to this virus known HIV. And with no federal response, there was only blaming of the victim. There was only blaming the victims. The White House did nothing. As many of you remember, President Reagan didn't do anything until uh, Rock Hudson uh, died of HIV. Uh, no federal response. From 1981 to 1996, they changed it and uh, got a treatment for it. The disease is now more people receive appropriate treatment for HIV than they do for Parkinson's disease. And HIV is associated with near normal life expectancy. And the best part about it is that thousands, if not millions of us never got HIV because of their activism. 
thousands if millions of us and our families and our kids never got HIV because of their activism, because they stood up and said enough. They had a motto that said silence equals death. And for Parkinson's, silence equals needless suffering. And we need to end our silence and we need to end the suffering. We've had enough people with Parkinson's disease. For sure. So I'm happy to take questions. Oh my God, I'm ready to go to Congress and in a Senate floor. And I'm just, you know, you, I mean, I, I, you're right. We need to really get empowered and speak up and say this well, is enough. Yeah. Ray, you say, yeah. uh, this is Jay over here. You say in your book that uh, there's a place where you say that all the proceeds from the book, all the authors agreed are going towards promising uh, research in, that you see out there. And I, I just wondered if, um, you could share with us anything you see uh, that is promising for a breakthrough. Yeah, so one, we gotta make this book a bestseller. So right now it's like ranked 22,572 on Amazon. There are a million people with Parkinson's disease. This book should not be 22,000 on Amazon. So we need to get like people starting to buy the book. If you can't afford the book, I will send you the book. You just yeah. you email me at info at endingpd.org. I will send you a copy of the book for free, but we need to get people to buy the book and start a movement so that people can read and get educated about it. So yeah. all the authors are donating our proceeds to efforts to end Parkinson's. Todd Sher is donating all his money to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I suspect Michael Oaken is donating it to his center in the University of Florida, and I expect Boss Bloom is devoting it to Parkinson Net. I'm devoting it to an effort that we're doing right now. I just did an email before about investigating a cluster of people uh, with Parkinson's disease in New York, in Rochester, New York, like downtown from where I live, uh, who likely uh, have Parkinson's due to a chemical exposure due to TCE. So uh -huh. We're trying to prevent the disease so no one else, so that future generations say that we acted, we responded just like people did for polio, just like people did for HIV, just like people do for COVID, so they don't have to bear the burden of Parkinson's disease. Another great example is MAD. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, right? They all suffered, right? Those are all mothers whose kids got died or got injured because of drunk driving. And they have took something that was socially acceptable and made it completely socially unacceptable. And they have, you know, improved the health and well-being of my kids because my kids don't care what I say about drunk driving, but it's just completely self-evident to them that you wouldn't drink and drive. Um, so what are the promising therapies? So there are now uh, some gene-directed uh, targeted therapies that target some of the genetic causes of Parkinson's disease, which only make up about 10 to 15%. So these LARC2 inhibitors uh, target this protein that's inappropriately overactive in Parkinson's disease. Those seem to be promising. There are treatments that attack the misfolded protein in Parkinson's disease that's called alpha-synuclein. So the yeah. idea is to give antibodies, now who knows what an antibody is, to target the alpha-synuclein yeah. protein and maybe clear it from the brain. Um, There's some newer surgical techniques that we talk, neurosurgical treatments that we uh, talk about, but we, we have some promising treatments, but we have to change the way we measure the disease. We have to change the way we conduct clinical trials. Like, you know, asking you guys to go participate in clinical trials by driving to New York City. Does that make any sense to anyone? Yeah, tough. No. Right, so we should let, just like you can receive care in your home, shouldn't you be able to receive research and participate in research studies in your home? 
We need to do that. We need to come up with better measures than having me tap your thumb and in, have you tap your thumb and index finger and putting, writing down on a scale from zero to four. Does that strike anyone as a 21st century technology? Right. It's craziness. It's craziness. Yes. We have wow. to change our ways. The status quo has failed. We know it's failed. We should reject it and move on to more promising approaches. Oh my God, you're so right. So what are the best ways, really, what's our next step as a, as a group to, to really get, you know, to get the word out and to really start? So you can all right now, in the span of the while, while I'm talking and, and pushing out a lot of hot air, you can yeah. all go to Amazon, you can all click on the thing, well, I'll share a screen, so I can share a screen. So yes. here we go, yes. sharing screen. So you can see my screen, I think, right about now. Right. So this is it. So here's the ratings. So all you have to do to ratings is you click <laughs> on ratings. Yes. You write a customer review. Okay. I think everyone can do this. You yeah, click yes. on the ratings. I don't care if you give it one star. I don't care what you, you give it whatever Five you stars. Give it. Five stars. You, you add a headline, must read. Yes. And Parkinson's. You write a review, two sentences, and you click submit. Okay. Yes. So you can do that right now. That costs you nothing except, you know, two minutes of your time. Right. Second, we're going to get this in here, is we need to get some people to buy this book. So Steve's going to figure this out. <laughs> but, you know, here's where, the, this is where we are. We're 22,000 in books. We're number three in Parkinson's disease. This is crazy. This is who's beating me. Yeah. Blood pressure down, 10-step plan to lower your blood pressure in four weeks is beating ending of Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. Picture book of Psalms. I'm not going to say anything about, about the book of Psalms, but nonetheless, we can do better than the happy book, mm -hmm. uh, right? There are a million people with Parkinson's disease. We should be able to sell 10,000 books, maybe, maybe 20, maybe 30,000. 1% of people with Parkinson's disease should be buying this book. Yeah. Um, and then if you make the book prominent, A, you'll raise money for Parkinson's disease. B, if you can't afford it, I'll send you a free one, info at endingpd.org. I'll just send it to you. And then, uh, then we get media coverage and you get the attention of uh, politicians and policymakers. Right. We do have election coming up in the next uh, six months, five months. There are lots of uh, older Americans with Parkinson's disease. There's a million, 1.1 million now of you. It's going to go up by uh, four while I'm speaking here today, this yeah. next hour. Uh, there are lots of older people in Florida and in Pennsylvania and Ohio and in Michigan. And I think they just assume not have Parkinson's disease. Right. And we can stop it. The EPA, EPA has proposed banning Paraquat, this pesticide. 32 countries, including China, have banned it. We don't. England bans it. England bans it, but exports it to us. That's crazy. Oh, wow. England bans Paraquat, exports it to the United States. That's crazy. All in the oh, book. God. Yeah. And we do it. We don't ban it. We don't ban this trichloroethylene. Half of Superfund sites, including you guys are on Connecticut, right? You guys are in Connecticut. Yeah. There's Superfund yeah. sites next to you guys. Some of you worked with trichloroethylene. Maybe some of you know about it. Some of you are getting exposed to it right now. Don't even know about it. Uh, there are half of Superfund sites. Over a thousand in the U.S. are contaminated with TCE. TCE is poured into the ground. It yeah. goes underground. And it forms this plume. Like think about like a pool underground and then evaporates into your home like radon undetected. Mm. And Whoa. it causes Parkinson's disease and it causes cancer. Mm. I found one 15 minutes from my house, not a Superfund site. There are thousands of other sites contaminated. 
15 minutes from where I'm sitting right here in suburban Rochester, you know, suburbia, like, you know, green trees and green lawns and uh, uh, a contaminated site. And I told you there's one uh, downtown that we're investigating causing Parkinson's. Yeah. So these are very reaction? policy actions that we can take. What yeah. kind of reactions do you get when you go to the hill? So uh, we haven't gone to the hill. Uh, our congressman is like all about, about telemedicine. So we got that message uh, through and there's efforts to uh, uh, get make tele the changes in telemedicine permanent. So all this Medicare's expansion of telemedicine and the setting of the public health emergency is it was temporary. Uh, so uh, there's a group of bipartisan senators, uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, who are proposing to make those policy changes mm -hmm. permanent. Uh, in the book, we highlight some of the senators uh, who've stood up for this, and it's bipartisan, right? Republicans and Democrats, communists and capitalists get uh, Parkinson's disease. Singers and songwriters get Parkinson's disease, and that many of them are fired up about it. But what they need is a million people, just like there were, weren't even a million HIV activists. There were a million person march or virtual march on the EPA. The EPA would change its behavior and would change so quickly. Let's do it. Right. Hey, Ray, would that help with funding also if you got people behind it? Does it help with Alzheimer's disease? You know how much money is spent on HIV? HIV, I think, is, I think it's $3 billion a year. It's either 2 or $3 billion a year. HIV affects the same number of Americans uh, as uh, Parkinson's, and Parkinson's gets $200 million. So HIV gets 2 or $3 billion a year and uh, same number of Americans, and Parkinson's gets one-tenth that. Now, I'm not saying not to underfund uh, HIV. It's saved lots of lives and lots of us from ever getting HIV. Fantastic. Think about how many people we could save from ever getting Parkinson's if we started focusing not just on getting new treatments, but also on preventing the disease. So what do you think the stumbling block is in, in not, a get, not getting enough funding for Parkinson's disease research? So let's just be clear what the HIV activists did. They shut down the streets of New York. They shut down the New York Stock Exchange. They shut down the FDA. They shut down pharmaceutical companies. Has anyone with Parkinson's done anything like that? Well, freeze. Hey, I think a lot of people were, have been under the misconception that it's something you live with. Do you know uh, what I mean? I, I missed that. Yes. Diagnosed. I remember them saying, chances are you'll die of something else, that you will live with Parkinson's, you'll adapt to it, but you won't necessarily die from it. Can you say right. it won't kill you. So it's not kill you. I mean, these are the messages that people are getting. So it's yeah. not, that, not that you won't want to advocate for better. But this is a preventable it, disease. I'm saying it clearly. I know my colleagues don't necessarily agree. I think it's largely a man-made disease. We're doing it to ourselves. When we can stop doing it to ourselves, we can prevent people from ever developing the disease. Lung cancer almost simply did not exist before cigarettes came. It just didn't exist. And Parkinson's disease, I don't think really, there are very, 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 very few mentions of Parkinson's disease before Dr. Parkinson described it in 1817. There's lots of discussion, you know, you can find the Bible seizures and headaches and hallucinations, but you can't find Parkinson's disease. A quick question. Uh, have you found out if uh, photographic chemicals were part of a... Uh, mm -hmm. There are a lot of photographers that uh, develop Parkinson's. I'm sorry, what, which chemicals? 
photographic chemicals. Oh, photographic. I don't know about photographic, but my guess is I wouldn't be surprised if TCE was used in, uh, it was definitely used in pictures and painting. And I, I don't know if it was used in photography, uh, mm. but I wouldn't be surprised if it were. Um, we list a, a lot of resources in the book. So if you look at the in the book, these black pages uh, list a lot of resources, including uh, occupations associated. Um, we list a bunch of occupations that are uh, associated with uh, Parkinson's disease. Okay, thank you. Dr. Dorsey, a question for you. Um, I read the book and the one, one dog ear that I used, literally the one, and you've addressed this, the one dog ear was the line that said, the best treatment for Parkinson's is over 50 years old and only partially alleviates its enormous disability. And this is key. How come when I was diagnosed eight years ago, everybody was saying the same thing they seem to be saying today, which is in the next five to 10 years is gonna be a major breakthrough. And nothing, nothing has happened really since 1960. Yeah. I, I think like, uh, so uh, I don't know. So let's do the economy. So if we'll just make this easy. If you get a tax, if you, there's a big tax rebate, you can see what does that happen with the economy? We can measure the stock market. We can measure the Dow Jones. We can measure employment numbers. We can measure, you know, how many people eat at McDonald's. We can measure miles driven on the road. But for Parkinson's disease, what do we do? Yeah. Next so time. if I can't go to good measure to determine what's happening in response to my intervention, I can't tell whether my drug works or doesn't work. And what I say is a two, my colleagues might say is a one, and one person might say is a three. All that noise biases you to finding nothing. So if you don't have a sensitive measure of what you're trying to measure, you're not going to be able to change it very well. So why do we have all these drugs for HIV? Because they don't measure HIV by this. What do they do? They take a little piece of, they take some yeah. blood and they measure the amount of virus in the blood. And they give lots of different drugs and if the virus goes down, they go, hmm, that drug might work. So we'll test it and see if it works. We don't have a measure in the blood. You know, Michael J. Fox has spent lots of money. Some of you probably participating in the PPMI study to find, is there a blood measure? We don't have one. We don't have great imaging measures. Uh, so we need better measures of the disease. We, hi we highlight in the book that, you know, we have smartphones and we have wearable sensors that can measure how fast we walk. That to me seems like a much more valuable measure than this. And so we can see if we get a new drug or if I start bicycling every day, can I measure my gait speed and see that my gait speed increase, improves, which it probably does. Those would be valuable measures. So we need better measures of the disease so we can tell whether drugs or devices or new interventions work in a shorter period of time with smaller number of individuals and we can cycle through treatments at a faster pace. Doctor, if I can ask a question, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, hey Matt. Um, hey, how are you? Um, how, you know, we refer to Parkinson's as a disease, uh, but is it, in your opinion, more accurate to re refer to it as multiple diseases that have similar symptoms, similar outcomes and are clinical trials going forward going to reflect the heterogeneity of the of the disease itself, the different seeming genetic components that could cause it, the different environmental factors that could cause it? And, and are we looking in the future at not a silver bullet solution, but um, you know, more of a uh, individualized, bespoke treatment <clears throat> for, for, for what we label Parkinson's? 
Matt's well-read, well-versed, uh, so the analogy is exactly right. And so the analogy is breast cancer or cancer. There are lots of reasons people get cancer, breast cancer. Some people carry genetic mutation and they get breast cancer. Some people get exposed to too much radiation from doctors and they get breast cancer. Some people get breast cancer for widely different reasons. And certain breast cancers respond to certain therapies and some don't respond to those therapies. So it's not that those therapies are ineffective, they're just not effective for that subtype. And so there are some genetically targeted uh, treatments for Parkinson's. I think I mentioned LARP2, this most common genetic cause of it. There's another gene genetic cause, GBA, and that runs in families. And there are therapies that are targeting that genetic mutation. Um, so there will be genetically dr driven uh, causes. Some of these environmental factors, oh, by the way, interact with the known genetic factors. So uh, pesticides interact with LARP2, for example, and cause more nerve cell death. And some of these environmental factors lead to the same increase in activity of some of these proteins, just like the genetic factors do. Uh, so there will be uh, targeted therapies, as you indicated, and we'll make that the easier solution is just not to get the disease. Uh, but yes. Thank you. What was the um, chemical that you said can waft into your house like radon? It's called a trichloroethylene, TCE. Okay. Um, and, Can you test uh, your home for that? I'm sorry? Can you test your home for that? Yep. And uh, gray pages. Okay. Uh, page number 194 is uh, breathe fresh air. And you can learn about, uh, contact the EPA about testing your indoor air. So if you live near a super fun site or a site that's contaminated, which are often uh, dry cleaners and uh, former industrial sites, uh, uh, former military bases, because uh, they use TCE in transportation all the time, uh, those would be places that you would want to be tested. Now, unfortunately, some people might have I'm sorry? A dairy farm. That a da dairy farm would not be TCE likely, but dairy farm would be pesticides. Right. And so if you drink well water, yeah. uh, your risk of Parkinson's is 50 to 150% increased risk. And that might have been that you drank well water when you were 10. Mm -hmm. uh, because well water is not regulated by the Safe Drinking Water Act. Yes. Uh, so people get their water back up. People get the water from the municipal water, you know, you turn on your faucet, or they get it from private wells on their property. 40 million Americans, one out of every eight Americans gets their water from a well. That's today. And you know, in the 1970s, it was much higher. Mm -hmm. Those wells are not regulated by the Safe Drinking Water Act, so they're rarely tested. They're often only tested when you buy or sell your home. And then they tend to be in rural areas. And so if, even if you're not farming on your area, your neighbors might be farming. They spray the pesticides on them. The pesticides get washed off. They contaminate the well water. They go into the groundwater. They go into your well, and you drink. So, so it's important, even like I live in an area where everybody wants a green lawn. And so they spray a lot of um, pesticides and uh, herbicides on their lawn. So we should really check our well waters carefully. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And have a filtration system put in to filter out the um, pesticides, correct? Yeah. And, and yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, how many people have well water? Who's got well water? Well, we all, I know. Oh, I know. wow. Yeah, I, I mean, you should be testing your well water. That's page 194, I think, as well. Unless you think this is all like, you know, this is all old school stuff. 
Let me see if I can find this thing. So Dr. Dorsey, if we limit the exposure to pesticides and eat organic and limit the pesticides, does that help and to decrease, does that help somebody with Parkinson's to decrease the progression? We don't know, uh, but let, I'll put it this way. If I had lung cancer, would I keep smoking? Right. Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. And so uh, unless you think this is thing, there are studies that, that people who live down, down, downstream, down yeah. air, of golf courses are increased risk for Parkinson's disease. Yeah, and you never want to buy a home near a golf course. Right? So we got to look seriously at this. Look, I mean, how many people have just subjectively felt like they know many more people with Parkinson's? Right? I mean, is anyone like feeling that Parkinson's is getting less common? No. 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 Right? And some of you've had Parkinson's for 10 years, and my guess is five years ago, you didn't know half as many people with Parkinson's as you do oh, now. Right, right. 200 people today got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. That's, yeah. Right? Is 100 it, is died it, today with Parkinson's disease. Is, it, is, is the diagnosis age getting younger as well, or is it staying stable? Unclear. Unclear. I suspect, uh, I suspect modestly younger. Uh, not great evidence. Dr. Dorsey, circling back to the well water. Yeah. What, what about a situation where we're on a well, but we only consume uh, Poland Spring, for example, that gets delivered. But what about inhalation while you're showering and the mist is in the air? Is right. that as much of a concern? Uh, for pesticides, likely not. I'm not like, you know, I'm not a toxicologist, but likely yeah. not. But this chemical TCE from the Superfund sites, dry cleaners, uh, is a number one uh, co contaminant of uh, groundwater in the U.S. Thirty percent, up to thirty percent of groundwater in the U.S. is contaminated with uh, TCE, uh, and then that TCE uh, uh, tends to evaporate. And so, even if you're not drinking it, when you <coughs> cook it or when you bathe in it, it actually evaporates more, and so you inhale it more in addition to having it wash on your skin. And so, just let me tell you about. Can I tell you about TCE? Sure. So, where's my TCE? Uh, see, this is my favorite thing. Hi, I'm not drinking water anymore. So, um, I'm, dr I'm drinking wine from now on. Oh, this, yeah. Can you guys see that? Can you see that picture? Oh, yes. Yeah. Alcohol. Uh, so that uh, that thing says the toxicity of trichloroethylene. Oh my! It was written by Dr. Carrie McCord in a letter to the editor of JAMA. Toxicity of trichloroethylene. He says. Promotional activities seeking the extension of the industrial uses of trichloroethylene frequently fail to disclose the toxic nature of this chemical and the practical dangers that may attend its use. He went on, in industry, trichloroethylene may enter the body through the breathing of vapors or through the skin. He detailed the lethal effects of different concentrations of TCE from inhalation and skin absorption based on studies done in rabbits. He concluded any manufacturer contemplating the use of trichloroethylene may find in it many desirable qualities. Two, in the absence of closed systems of operation, he may find in this solvent the source of disaster for exposed workmen. Wow. So he worked for Chrysler Corporation. Do you know when he wrote that? When? 1932. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm mad. So does the book cover Agent Orange? Yeah. And so Agent Orange, uh, oh widely used in uh, 
in uh, obviously in Vietnam and in Korean War. It's considered if you have T, if you were exposed to Agent Orange as a veteran uh, during Vietnam, and I think Korean War, but I'm not sure about the second, and you have Parkinson's disease, it's considered to be presumptively due to uh, uh, Agent Orange. So, yeah, I'm being treated by the VA. So. Yeah. And so, listen, you know, veterans served us when other people were unwilling to serve. They exposed themselves to risks and are suffering the consequences of it. You're talking about President Bonespur? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say I'm just I'm just saying, you know, listen, Johnny Isaacson's a Republican from Georgia. He retired from the Senate in December because of Parkinson's disease. I think he's the most conservative member of Congress. I mean, of the Senate. Uh, Representative Jose Serrano from New York uh, City, I think the Bronx, is like the most liberal member of Congress, and he has Parkinson's disease, and he's not running for re-election. Yeah. So this affects Democrats, Republicans. Deng Xiaoping has it, it had Parkinson's disease. Jonathan Silverstein, a venture capitalist that we talk in the book, has Parkinson's disease. This affects everyone. In, in terms of the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I have, I have a question also. If you had to support one organization, which would which one you do? That's a hard one. <laughs> That's a hard one. You're on uh, the spot. Listen, I think the Michael J. Fox Foundation is doing a great work. I, I, but look, uh, even they're having struggle. Look, if you say Michael, J., listen, Michael J. Fox is like a heroic, right? He's uh, shared his story with people. He's made Parkinson's socially acceptable. And people don't feel like pariahs because they have a disease because people like Michael J. Fox have shared their story. Outstanding. But Michael J. Fox Foundation has even spent up to a billion dollars now in research. We have no th big therapeutic breakthroughs. 40% of Americans don't get it. I get appropriate treatment. And we've increased it by 35% uh, the last 10 years. The status quo is simply not working. We need new and different approaches. We're obviously partial to some of the things we're doing but we need new and different approaches. The status quo is not working. Following up on that question, is there any group that does a better uh, lobbying or advocacy than others? I mean, that we should be is not working. So Michael J. Fox has embedded something called the yeah. Parkinson's Action Network, what used to be known as the Parkinson's Action Network, but they need to hear from a million of you and saying, why aren't we preventing the disease? Mm -hmm. Look, some of you guys are business people, right? And if you'd say, hmm, let's look at this facts. The number of people with the disease has increased at 35% in the last 10 years. Funding for the disease is flat to declining. Uh, we've had no therapeutic breakthroughs in the past uh, 20 years. And 40% of people with universal health insurance don't get access to appropriate care. You would say we're failing, right? You would just say we're failing. Yeah. We need new leadership. We need new voices. We need new organizations. We need a new approach. We're not going to keep up with the status quo. So you should be kicking people out, people like me out, and saying we need some new leaders in uh, to get us moving in the right direction. What about Azelect? And Lynn, you're on something that's relatively new too, right? Yes, but so Azelect is new and it's beneficial, but it's it's a all it is is a kissing cousin of an earlier drug called selegiline that was developed last century, in 1987. <laughs> It's just like, you know, some of you take statins, right, yeah. for your uh, cholesterol. Yeah. We, you wouldn't, if someone came out with a new statin today, it wouldn't be like, woohoo. It would be like, okay, modestly beneficial, maybe over the existing statin, but we've had statins for 20-plus years. Do you, do you have a view of the, um, 
ability perhaps of uh, AI or machine learning to cut through uh, the time and cost of, of dr drug discovery for Parkinson's? Is there an opportunity there or is that overhyped? No, I think absolutely. I think we can measure the disease in much better ways, right? All of you know that all of you can diagnose Parkinson's disease, right? You see someone walking down the street, yep. and they got a little tremor, and they yep. got a little Do it all the time. arm swing. We can yeah. measure all those things with Watch sensors, and why don't we measure those things to see yeah. how people are doing or responding to the treatment? I think we should, mm -hmm. and there's some machine learning approaches. We're working with colleagues. If you go to, I'll show you. I'll show you something. Uh, hold on. Park. Now this is not, this isn't ready for prime time, but I'll show you. Um, where am I? Oh, sorry. I've been sharing my screen the whole time. I've been talking too much. Sorry. No, we love um, it. Keep talking. So uh, can you guys see my screen? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this is a study that we're doing. Um, Steve mentioned that we have a NIH funded Udall Center and this uses video analytics to measure people's symptoms. And you can all go to it, parktest.net. You can all participate in this research study, like right now. Uh, you click on start study, and you essentially do, it says, takes about, takes no more than 20 minutes. And you, instead of, you know, moderating, you do all the same tests that you do in the clinic. But instead of me doing the rating, computer vision does the rating. So you get video analytics measures the disease and it gets an objective measure of the disease that's, that's independent of whether I think it's a two and my colleague thinks it's a one and Michael Oaken yeah. thinks it's a three. So you can get these objective measures and then you can see what somebody looks like before yeah. and after DBS and see if they got better. Yeah. Uh, back, back to your- On Chrome, okay. you can't use it on Safari. Yeah, it has to be on Chrome. Yes, you're very good. Thank you for going. <laughs> Back to the biomarker um, issue, uh, how, how far are we, do you think, still from developing a reliable biomarker for measuring the disease? We don't know. It's like, it's like everyone on COVID, well, how long are we until the vaccine? You know, we've been trying to develop a vaccine for HIV for 30 years. There's no vaccine. We've been trying to develop a biological marker for Parkinson's disease for 20, 30 years. You know, That's what the PPMI is all about. They discovered yeah. the nucleon folding and stuff, but they haven't gotten an imaging technique like they have for Alzheimer's now. Exactly. We need everybody to, to be engaged mm -hmm. in that. It's really hard. Yes. And it, there's no guarantee. It may be that what's in the blood doesn't match what's in the brain. It's not, right. it's not so easy. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, if, I, if your gait speed improves, you've gotten better. Right, I can tell you if your arm swings more, it's getting better. You know, you can fake it for a little bit, but you can't fake it for two weeks. I can tell you if you sleep more uninterrupted, that's better. Well, they have the um, wearable of uh, Verily watch. Yeah, watch, and, and I think Apple. Um, Jeff, don't you have the Apple Watch? Yeah, but when I saw the um, neurologist, they said that it's not accurate at all. Oh. Um, so, so here you go. So the thing too is with the movies, you know, they can put these suits on and do all kinds of things. Why can't they do that with Parkinson's? Yeah, so here it is. We're doing a study evaluating the Apple Watch right now. You guys can, if some of you live near some research sites, you can participate in the study right now. Oh. Uh, so it uses the Apple Watch to measure, you know, your tremor and your speed and your gait and your activity. 
Just watch pdstudy.org. Oh, I would like drop. to do this. Okay, now I have a question. Does that watch have a buckle that you have to do? Uh, it, it's got like, I think it's magnets. Uh, so uh, I think All right, it's uh, because easier. The buckle on the Verily watch was crazy for someone with Parkinson's. <laughs> You want something that you can just slip on. You know? Listen, and we need, listen, we also need more voices like yours participating and leading the clinical trials. There's no reason in the world that uh, people leading the studies need be neurologists or Parkinson's specialists. Some of you might be better managers and leaders of clinical uh, efforts than even us fancy docs. Well, I've expressed that to the, you know, you have these watches you can slip on and they, they give the Parkinson's watch one with a stupid buckle. Ray, you can let us know because, you know, we can spread the word if you need participants in any of studies. I mean, I'm writing down numbers. So, I mean, let, just let us know. Watchpdstudy.org. It's all, it's all there uh, right. for you. Okay. This is the stuff you need to know. So, Dr. Dorsey, here's a loaded question I know you don't have the answer to. What's your prediction for a cure? I mean, are you going to share the same five to ten years, you know, response? What are your thoughts? I think it's a lot easier to prevent lung cancer than it is to cure it. You know how many people have been cured of HIV? Okay. Two. So we've uh, been battling HIV with $3 billion a year, and we've cured two people from HIV. I'm not, I'm not thinking a great tune here. We can first, the first response to any emergency is what? Stop Contain the spread. Stop yeah. the spread, exactly. If it's a fire, you shut the door. Right. With COVID, you socially isolate. Get and disease, we're doing nothing but fueling the fire of Parkinson's disease, and we're paying an enormous high, enormously high price for it. We the can White prevent House. Parkinson's the disease. The White House is betting on the curve. You could flatten the curve of Parkinson's disease. You could make it so that 25 years mm -hmm. from now, not double the people are affected, but flat. And then 25 years after that, half, and then gone. So Curing things is really, 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 really difficult. So for us with Parkinson's disease, what, what's, what do you suggest that um, we do for ourselves? Yeah. To kind so of I, would, I would avoid the environmental factors that could be contributing to worsening of it. I would exercise like nobody's business. Uh, I'd exercise two hours a day if I had the time and means uh, to do so. Uh, for Parkinson's disease, I would probably take an MAOB inhibitor like selegiline or rosagiline because in animal models, it slows the rate of Parkinson's disease. And I would take a modest dose of levodopa enough to give me to function at a high level. And I would keep my brain as mentally active as possible. And I'd stay away from, maybe I'd stay away from too many docs. What about sugar? Doctor Dorsey, uh, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. I have a couple. I have a couple of questions. Um, is there anything? I feel like I might have read this, but I'm not sure. Um, is there anything, any drug or some sort of medication or something natural that could actually stimulate the uh, the lessened dopamine that exists in the brain of the Parkinson's patient, so rather than replacing it? which doesn't work that well, as you all know, to stimulate what's there, to use it to function better. Is we there don't know. Great question. There. We're doing a study playing with a company. Again, the company's paying me to do the study, so take this with several grains of salt. 
that, you know, uh, can light therapy help uh, some people with Parkinson's? I don't know. I, I'm fully admit that it may not. And if I had to bet, I usually bet on no. Uh, but, uh, you know, those are uh, some of the types of things that people are thinking about because there are mm -hmm. dopamine producing nerve cells in the back of the eye that could be stimulated. Uh -huh. Uh, by That's why I'm stimulating the dopamine. How about just going outside a couple of 15 minutes a day? Yes, uh, but you know, we don't, we don't know. So I, again, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying go do this. I told you what I would do if I had Parkinson's. The exercising, I, I, right. I, I didn't say go uh, sit in front of a, a suntanning booth. Uh, but, another, um, but that was in response to the question about can we stimulate the release of dopamine? And some, some people are looking at that. And my other question, this is just a hypothesis that I have, is my partner that has Parkinson's and he has been um, a hairstylist since he was 16 years old. He's now 73. And he has been breathing in a lot of chemicals, hair dye, uh, mm -hmm. keratin, straighteners, and all these chemicals. And my hypothesis is that this has been a contributing factor. I think. I, yeah, I don't know, any, and it could be. I just don't know. I don't think it's been uh, studied. Uh, you know, listen, I learned a ton, and I took a sabbatical. To, you know, the gifts of being an academic is you get a year off, or at least have fifty percent of your time off to study. And I learned a ton and stuff I didn't know. I didn't know about trichloroethylene and Parkinson's disease uh, before I read it. And I think there are a lot of things that we haven't investigated uh, fully to determine it. So I don't know about hairstyling, and that might just be one thing we just don't know. Doesn't mean it didn't do it; it just means we don't know. It could be the hairspray and the aerosols involved that causes uh, neuro uh, illnesses. I do. So if there were nail polish going on in the beauty parlor at the same time, that's yeah. But, but what about the fumes from you? You know, hair dye and um, hair straightening. I mean, breathing that stuff in for sixty years. Yeah, I mean that's got to. So I believe it's going to do look, something. We cause lots of diseases. I'm just saying where we are strong is we know paraquat. You give paraquat okay. to mice, they get Parkinson's disease. You give TCE to mice, they get Parkinson's disease. Wow. Uh, people who are exposed to TCE are at 600%, no, 500% increased risk of developing wow. Parkinson's disease. So we know what some of the offending agents are. We should attack what we know. Right. Get rid of them, and then we can explore with some additional yeah, yeah. research funding. That makes sense. What are some other causes? No, just we know who's got the smoking guns. We have smoking guns. Yeah. Another smoking gun is air pollution in Fairfield County. I mean, we live in a part of the country that is uh, suffering from air pollution that's coming from the Midwest. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think also coming from New York City. Study. So if you think about it. Uh, what are the first symptoms? You guys are smart. What are the first symptoms of Parkinson's disease? Tremor. Before tremor happens, oh, what happens? Yeah, loss of smell. And what's the other one? Rigidity. Constipation. Loss of smell and constipation. And those right. happen decades, decades before tremor happens, right? Yep. So and those are the first symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So it also so happens that the environmental risk factors are associated are inhaled or ingested. Mm. Oh my God. Inhaled or ingested. And when we look at the brains of people with Parkinson's, where's the pathology start? Not in the parts that are responsible for tremor, but in the olfactory bulb that's responsible for smell. So we inhale TCE, we inhale pesticides, we inhale air pollution. Air pollution has these tiny particles called nanoparticles, which just means that they're really tiny, and they carry heavy metals 
and they bypass a normal protective membrane called the blood-brain barrier and enter in through the nose and then go back and wreak havoc. <coughs> so the earliest symptoms or correspond to the environmental risk factors linked to the disease. This is not but, rocket science. But Dr. Dorsey, there are those of us who I have not lost my sense of smell and I was never constipated. Yeah. But I do have, did have heavy metals and I was working with someone to help cleanse and detoxify the heavy metal. So I don't know. Uh, and I don't know, and some people don't lose their sense of smell, and there are also genetic causes of Parkinson's disease where the disease may not begin in the nose. It manifests itself That was like brain first or gut first, and so in some cases the disease might begin in the gut. You can imagine if you're a farmer, for example, or drinking well water, it might begin in the gut, and then goes back, ascends up into the brain, then causes it. In some cases the disease might begin in the brain first or uh, with the nose. So there, as uh, I think word my man, words Matt, uh, the scientist, was asking, there are multiple different paths to Parkinson's mm -hmm. disease, and they all share this common phenotype, but you could probably track different routes by which uh, people get it. Dr. Dorsey? Yes. Question I have, and something that's intrigued me, is there are a lot of medications out there that we end up repurposing, uh, and I just wondered if you had any particular thoughts on this issue. The reason I'm so interested in it is because the drugs have already been FDA approved. So getting the drugs to market is simpler. The drugs out there we, we know can be used for multiple different indications. And so there's been a lot of research that some of you probably participated in the study of Izratapine, a, a blood a medication. That didn't use. work, did it? No, it didn't work. So I'm just saying that people are looking at this. I don't think until we get better measures, until we get better measures of the economy, we can't tell whether uh, federal reserve policy works or doesn't work. Until we have better measures for Parkinson's, we can't tell whether repurposed existing drugs or new drugs are likely to work or not work unless we do very large, very long, very expensive, very time intensive research studies. We need better measures. I, yeah. Whether that's in the blood, whether that's imaging, or whether that's a digital measure, we need better measures of the disease so we can tell what works and what doesn't. And, and in those clinical trials, are they, are they now stratifying the patients according to the different possible types of Parkinson's that they have? Is that happening? Yeah, not uh, right now, but LARC2 would probably, uh, well, yes, G, uh, GBA, that genetic mutation that's associated with Gaucher's disease, if you have two copies of the gene or one, that's being done. And the LARC2 studies will likely be doing genetic testing, identify people. Another great study by Parkinson's Foundation, PD Generation, we're helping them with it, involves genetic counseling and genetic testing to identify people who might have these different subtypes I want to be of careful. Parkinson's want So my concern is... just being done in Columbia. Yeah, my yeah. concern is that there's different types of Parkinson's, like, like azratapine, like I've been on azratapine since I was diagnosed and I didn't want to come off of it because for some reason I, I kind of feel like it's helping me. So it could help some different versions of Parkinson's and my neurologist agrees with me and he agrees to not take me off of it. Yeah, and so- and I've been on it for 10 years. So that? wouldn't it be nice to like get uh, like objective measures and see how you, you were doing before and after you started azratapine yes. so you could yes. tell and not have the doctor go like this? Determinant. That would be nice. And, yes. it, and it could be, Listen, if yeah, it benefits 10% of people and we find out that for 100 people it doesn't work, we don't necessarily mean that the 10 didn't benefit. 
Right, right. Uh, we don't know, but Dr. Darcy. A lot of other genetic mutations that they just haven't discovered yet. Right. Yeah, I, I'm kind of skeptical of that. Um, it's possible in some of these, if it is, uh, we should have identified any common, single common mutation we should have identified. GBA has multiple, hundreds of different mutations in one different gene. So it's possible that there are other genes that have lots of different mutations that are causing it. But the likelihood we missed a major cause, a single major cause, genetic cause of Parkinson's is pretty remote at this point, I think. But again, Andy Singleton, there are people who know this far better. Robert Rivera had a question. Yes, Dr. Dorsey, how are you, Everyone sir? calls me Ray. All right, Ray, how are you? Good. All right, good. The family, everybody doing well? Yes, got four boys at home, so no complaints. All right, good. I see uh, everything's still up. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, what do you believe um, know about uh, Norizon? Say it again? Norians. N-O-U-R-I-A-N-Z. I know nothing. Oh, there it is. Hold on. It's called something else. Oh, Ambrisia, levodopa inhaled powder. You know, it's a marginal improvement for people who uh, have advanced Parkinson's disease and have clear motor fluctuations where the, uh, they get off and they get frozen. Yes, it could help them. But again, levodopa developed 1967. I think we can do better than uh, finding better delivery mechanisms. It's important, but you know, it's just a better delivery mechanism. If you, if apomorphine is another drug in development, uh, some people use it to inject right now. They're coming out with a sublingual form. That could be really valuable for people who have significant fluctuations where they're off and on. That could be a major benefit to people. All right, so, but do you recommend this medication or no? In general, you know, a very narrow subset of people. So people with advanced Parkinson's disease who get better with levodopa and have periods where they just, the med, where levodopa stops working. Right. They become frozen or stiff. And so for those individuals, they could benefit. I don't know if I've actually tried it yet. I'm sure I have a couple patients who do take. Well, my wife, my wife just started uh, using this because she was taking her medication. She takes uh, Ritery. Yeah. All right. And uh, the medication is isn't as effective at, at times. All right. So her doctor suggested that she take this along with her medication in the morning, and it's supposed to help her through the day. It could. The one I would look for is apomorphine sublingual. I have no relationship, no financial interest in it or any of these uh, drugs. Um, uh, that's what I would do. And by the way, all, my, all the author's disclosures are in the book. There's a book that says that has a whole page on our disclosures. And if you right. go to our website, you can see our disclosures too. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Um, what's your view on the, you know, some people refer to it as the cult of alpha-synuclein. Um, you know, we've focused on these misfolding proteins and and Alzheimer's, uh, beta amyloid and tau, and and nothing's come of that. Do you think the researchers focus on 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 trying to degrade or alter alpha synuclein is is misplaced, or are we missing the target? Um, what, what's your what's your view? So I think the target is the target. What's causing the misfolding? So pesticides cause misfolding of Parkinson's of alpha synuclein. So let's target pesticides and stop getting people from getting Parkinson's in the first place. Mm. Listen, you're gonna chase. We're gonna chase our tails, and we've been chasing our tails. If we like try to treat every symptom of Parkinson's disease, right? Constipation, sleep, 
cognition, depression, the single most effective thing we can do is prevent the disease. Now I understand that most of you have the disease. So yes, so do alpha-synuclein targeted therapies? Yes, they could. The question is, is, is the disease already, you know, is the, cat, the horse out of the barn? Is it already too late uh, for some individuals? And so that would be a major concern. And again, Alzheimer's disease, their measures are way worse than our rating scales. So it's almost impossible. They literally give people three words to remember or 10 words to remember at time equals zero. And then in six months later, and that's how they tell whether a drug works by the number of words you remembered at time equals zero and at six months. It's craziness. We have better measured, the, you, can, you don't measure the stock price of Merck that way. Um, you don't like put someone who's weight and just say they're underweight, they're overweight, or they're about normal, right? We just put someone on a scale and we look, they weigh 182.3 pounds. We need to have objective measures so we can determine whether treatments targeting alpha-synuclein or other approaches uh, work or don't work. Thank you. Ray? Yes. Hey, thank you for your, all your time and your presentation. Um, you, you know, you got to learn to express yourself more. You know, <laughs> back feelings too much. But uh, that leads me to my question is, what, what can we do to get more consensus? Earlier in your presentation, you mentioned how your colleagues may not agree with you on this or that. And we do see that in, in the research community, that there are certainly differences. In, and uh, even at the end of, of a, a study, the uh, endpoints are, are disputed as far as the value that they bring. Uh, you feel like that the divisions are inhibiting, advancing the research, and if so, what can we do to try to bring more uh, unity to? So, to who changed the course of HIV? People. People. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Yeah, but you didn't name a single scientist or researcher, did you? No. No. So who gives a crap what we think? Fauci, Anthony Fauci. Yes. So, and what and what did they do to Tony Fauci? Yeah. Criticized the crap out of him because he represented the establishment, right? Larry they Kramer. liked him eventually, <laughs> but they criticized yeah. the crap out of him. So don't worry about us. Criticize me. I don't care. Say raise a complete fool, but end the disease. And so I pick something that's really easy. Everyone thinks paraquat should be banned. Thirty-two countries, including China, ban it. Our use doubles in the last 10 years. Why can't we ban paraquat? So ban paraquat, and then after we're done ban paraquat, let's go ban trichloroethylene. Then let's Who go, manufactures let's paraquat? Let's clean up all the sites that are contaminated yeah. with TCE. Yeah. Why, don't we got, why don't we band together and let's do something about this? I mean, wouldn't that be a great gift? We'll shake yeah. it up. Well, there was a petition that went around uh, not yes. too long ago. Yes, so there was 100,000 signatures. Why isn't that's, there a that's million? That's not enough. That's not why enough. isn't Andrew Wheeler, why aren't you guys peppering Andrew Wheeler every day? The guy can't go outside. You know that what they did with Jesse Helms? Yes. What did they do for Jesse Helms, who would not fund anything for HIV? I don't know. What did he do? They, they put a condom over his house. <laughs> it wasn't enough. They put a, and he never, he never started, he, ne he, he never banned another bill, funding bill for HIV. We'll just shake it that. up. We'll shake the house. <laughs> I mean, there's been, they put a, a quilt on the National Mall. All right. They put a million, they, they shut down, the, almost shut down the White House mailroom room with a march of dimes. Yeah. How many people participate in a breast cancer walk every year? Yeah. Yeah. All Great. right. 
the, the purpose of my question was to try to find out if we're, we're pointing our research in the right direction. And I, I thought there's, there's, there's consensus from uh, uh, a large number of the, of the research community, then uh, there might be more of a focus of targeted endpoints and targeted dollars spent there. Uh, it seems like we're, we're checking on everything to see what causes the disease. And, and I'm wondering if some of that's wasted funding. Well, I don't think anyone's checking on what's causing the disease. Yeah. Carly Tanner, who's done the most research, said they just stopped funding her. Yeah. They just stopped funding it. The pink ribbon, right? So before the pink ribbon was the peach ribbon set up by a homemaker, I think in Loma Linda, New York, in Loma Linda, California, it's in the book. Uh, and she it started with a peach ribbon and she appended a simple note to it that said the National Cancer Institute spends $1.8 billion a year on research and 5% goes to prevention. She thought it was crazy that her mom, her sister, and another family member all developed breast cancer and all died of breast cancer, and no one was doing anything to prevent the disease. Look, MAD was started by people who lost their kids, right? Hopefully not many people of us have lost our kids, but you can only imagine what that feels like, right? Yeah. And they can do anything to bring their kid back, but they said, by George, I don't want anyone else to feel this, and I don't want my other kid getting uh, killed in a car accident, and they started it. And now it's socially unacceptable to drink and drive. You know, socially unacceptable. You know what? This is really good information. Part partners against Parkinson's disease. Oh that my goodness. Yes. We gotta, go. we gotta mobilize ourselves. Be loud. Silence equals death. Silence equals suffering. End the silence. Oh my God, Ray, you're our man. Yeah. <laughs> we need you. Change we need you. You, you are, you're a fearless leader. Yes. Well, no one cares. Again, no one cares what neurologists, people who changed the course of HIV and polio weren't neurologists. I'm ready. I've got my sleeves rolled up. I'm ready to fight. You guys are let me know. I'm happy to come back. Steve knows how to get hold of me. Lynn oh my God, this is the me. best. If you have Thank questions, you very, very, very much. much. Thanks, Ray. You were very helpful, you. very informative. Oh, my God. You inspire Thank you. us. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank, Thank you. you. We don't want you to leave, actually. Can you stay? <laughs> End it. <laughs> Thank End you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Great. That was wonderful. Yeah, who is he? I don't want to leave. Who is, who is he? Dr. Dorsey. Oh my God, you got to read this book, Ray Dorsey. Look at this book, it's fabulous. Andy Parkinson, everybody, everybody go on and do a review. Do a review on Amazon. Andy Parkinson's disease. Oh my God, read it, it's wonderful. I, I'm so on fire. I'm read on it fire. and do the, do the review, he needs reviews. Yeah, all right, we're gonna have to mobilize ourselves and stop this whole this, um, pesticide thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can't help but think, though, when you watch all the environmental laws that are being rolled back, rolled back in the last four months, and I'm not making any political statement, you can read all of these different environmental clean air, clean water, all being rolled back for the sake of the economy. Yeah. And we're in a t very tough economy, and nobody's going to let go of products and things that help their business grow whatever. You know what? Maybe we have to get so educated in what these pesticides do for the other side 
of this argument because yeah. unless we understand what we're what everybody's up against, I mean, you know, Mad had a deal with uh, insurance companies and all kinds of things. I mean, there's people that oppose what they wanted to do, and we need to kind of figure that out we're, too. We're up, Kathy, we're up against Trump. I was just reading about how he he doesn't even allow scientific research to be read. He's rolling right. back EPA programs. As long as he's in the White House, we can't expect to get anything done. And, and that's true, so, but I do think the, against the, him. The, the There's economy, no hope if he's, if he's at the I know, the but the economy still runs a lot of what decisions that are made. And I, I just believe that's true. And if pesticides have a role in this economy, in what way, and why we're the last country in the world to, to no disband this, we've got to figure out what exactly is that. You know, I mean, so we why don't we, why don't we start a group? Why don't we have a group of you guys together and why don't we look into this and yeah. maybe Jeff, it's a good idea. Jeff, <laughs> you. You can, maybe we could do something through social media, through Shakers Anonymous, like, you know, like to raise awareness, you know, through, you know, mm. we don't have to start with Trump. We start with the people. We start with through social media. Like maybe I we think talk Ken about- is right there. You gotta do, we gotta do our homework. Yeah, and I think we have to, you know, like he broke that down into that P-A-C-T, those four, yeah. you know, yeah. hack, that's a good acronym. And if we kind of divided our conversations into those four, three, four segments. Right. And mm. got expertise around each of those areas. Yes. And maybe we, we could then, you know, find a way to, to move forward, at least to educate ourselves. Because I have to tell you, you know, at least, for, you know, John's been diagnosed 17 years. Wow. It's a long time. And fortunately, he has not progressed at a high rate of speed. But I, I can tell you the day he found out, they said 10 years then. Yeah. Much like Jeff said. Yeah. And when you look at the medications we're taking and the pinching test, just did it today, again, walk down the hallway, you're yeah. looking good. Thanks. And really oh. wonderful physician. No, 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 no indictment on that. But what else do they have to work with? You know, this whole thing is just like coming together with the olfactory and, and the constipation and inhaling it or ingesting it. I mean, it's just, um, it's mind boggling to me. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, we got to do something about this. So as far as, being, as far as uh, being vocal and visible and making changes, we'd be far better served linking and springboarding ourselves off of Michael J. Fox Foundation, okay, as well as yeah, right. Parkinson's Disease Association. I know they highly respect our, our group and our support efforts, but I think we would be able to better get our word out through leveraging their relationships that exist already. They know all the, the, the lobbyists. You're right, you're right. Yes. So they're launching a new ambassador program that they are not talking about yet. So maybe we could get many of us involved. And then as soon as it's launched, I'll let you all know. Because so they're very they, well, to Jeff's point, there could be very well good things going on that they've had no driving you know, force behind right. that we can help. And true. Right. And I think our senators and congressmen, we got to ask them what what what's going on? What are you doing? You know, questioning right. all the time. Right. Yeah. I think reading the book will help us educate yes. ourselves. Absolutely. Really you know, I know I know Blumenthal. Maybe right. we ask him to come to one of our meetings and speak. Mm. And we could ask him questions okay. about it. Wouldn't that be cool? That's I'd love to idea. find out what the, what are the right questions to ask him. For, hey, I need money. That's what yeah. you ask. I need money. Yeah. 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 If you want to get attention, you have to get shot by a white policeman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I, you know Thanks, what? Thanks, Bob. <laughs>
statement. So, so I wanted to, you know, I, I was concerned about well water a while back. So I have somebody from the EPA a while back, like six months ago, or a year, you know, before the whole COVID thing, that I was going back and forth with about well water. And he seemed very knowledgeable. Maybe that would be somebody interesting to have come speak to us. Um, right? About the pesticides and well water. Because he was, you know, I told him I had Parkinson's and everything like that. And he seemed to know a lot about it. So that might be good. So I had, um, Lynn, I had Brooks Labs evaluate my water. Yes. Uh, you know, I spent, once I got diagnosed, I spent about $900 looking for more things related to pesticides. And thankfully, they didn't find anything. But mm -hmm. I do wonder, you know, if they really knew what everything to look for. I think yeah, I mean, there's so many different pesticides that, you know, I had somebody said it would be thousands and thousands of dollars to test every pesticide out there. So, but at least the key pesticides that we know that are linked to Parkinson's would be. Right. Yeah. I looked up who manufactures Paraquat and it's um, manufactured by Syngenta. Mm -hmm. And it says China is now the world's largest manufacturer of product of Paraquat producing more than 100,000 tons a year. Oh, it's not manufactured in the U.S. Um, I don't know. It just says here China is the world's largest manufacturer. What do they use it for? I mean, all I remember is they used to go spray marijuana fields with Paraquat or something. What? I heard that pyrethrin also um, causes Parkinson's. Oh, really? That's what that I, my daughter looked found out about that. She has articles about that. And that's used a lot for to stop ticks. Yeah, you see that. Yeah. Oh, and they say wow. it's organic. That is, it's supposed it's to be built like, into clothes. Isn't that the stuff that you can buy the mosquito proof clothes with? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, it's We're going to start and get the book what did you and say? Read it and go okay. from there. Pyrethrin? Pyrethrin. Yeah, pyrethrin. I have to. I'll have Alyssa. Isn't that made from chrysanthemums. Yes, that, that that's works? linked with park to Parkinson's. I'll get the articles from my daughter. Yeah, no, but the yeah. So, hey, Lynn, um, Lynn, thank you very much. Oh, you're yes. welcome. That was. I taped it. I taped it. So, well, uh, Paul and I will work on getting the link out to everybody. Yes. By the way, before you guys leave, is Nicholas on online here? Nicholas, no. Okay, no. Okay, Nicholas is a physical therapist that wanted to say a few words, but I don't think he is on right now. Okay, so this was wonderful. We got a lot thank of great information. Much. Thanks, yeah. Lynn, thank for you. your work. That was great. Okay. Yeah, yeah thank you. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Lynn.